Welcome to the Old Souls and Seekers podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. If you're anything like us, you've been around and around the personal development and mindset block quite a few times. You've read the books, watched the videos, attended the seminars, and even worked with a coach or two, and yet you still find yourself searching for more. You may even feel stuck or that you should be farther along than where you are right now. And after doing over a decade of mindset work, we've come to this realization. Mindset work is like a small hit of dopamine that distracts you from your true work. You get these little hits of feeling better only to be met with the same underlying conditions and patterns over and over again. Now, mindset was an important part of your evolution as well as ours, but it hits a plateau and now you find yourself ready for that deeper layer of growth and expansion. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're ready to get off that Ferris wheel. This podcast is only for those that are ready to dive deep and do the real inner healing work. For those that are ready to move past more information into actual experiences. If you're looking for more understanding, then you've come to the wrong place. This is a home for old souls ready to fully embrace and remember who they truly are. Ready to make a profound difference in their lives and in the lives of others. So welcome home, dear one. We're excited to be part of your journey. Well, we haven't done one of these in quite some time. Allegedly. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, well, I mean, a lot has happened. I mean, I, I feel like I've been on a, uh, like six journeys since August, 6,000 journeys since August. Um, many of which are probably hard to explain, some of which are probably interesting to explain. But I thought um, I thought Elon and I would just share a little bit about, you know, maybe we could certainly get into circumstances as well. But I think more important than the circumstances and what we want to weave in here is is really stuff about you know divine guidance, intelligence, and intuition. Um, that can mean a lot of dif- different things to a lot of different people, and I, and I just want to say I think those things are accessible in a lot of different ways and a lot of different practices. Um, but I'll, I'll get us going with this. You know, we, we, we live in an extremely mental world. And so, you know, generally speaking, when people approach developmental work in general, it, it, it tends to be rather mental. Most conversations we have with most people who are looking for solutions want insight-based, mental-based, informational-based solutions. If you look at even the whole of the marketing expanse and world, right? Like everything's about giving you free information to give you some kind of viewpoint on how you can change or transform the way you think of it and then offering, you know, product or services that they offer as a solution um, that make those things easier. And those are great strategies and that's a, a good way to, to, to make an informed decision. However, I think more important than talking about making informed decisions and, and informational based decisions, oftentimes, I don't know about you guys, but certainly in, in our tenure as business owners and my, my, my lifetime, I've made a lot of decisions that, that on paper seemed like the right thing to do. Elon, and Elon can attest to this. A lot of those decisions we made over the years have bit us in the ass horribly. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, whether it was um, money being stolen or difficult business relationships that really had no reason to be difficult, but suddenly just became difficult. Um you know, trying new things that could be supportive to people and then they're having negative experiences or we're having negative experiences. And so I don't know about you guys, but if you're watching this and, and you want to say, hey, yeah, that, that's something I've noticed too. It's like sometimes even with the best of intentions, whether it's your own or other people for you, 
bad things happen or, you know, yeah. our, our experience of them, our perception of them is that bad things are happening. I hard to, de- hard to decide sometimes whether bad things are really happening or whether it's, it's just a perception of bad things happening. And, and I think that's a worthwhile thing to investigate here too, by the way, because uh, my, my, my contention would be that it's the latter. It's not the bad things are happening. It's that we're perceiving that they are, and there's a reason for that. So, um, our perspective on this, and Elon, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is, this is something we've learned from many of our teachers over the last, you know, six years or so, is that the action that you're taking in your life doesn't really matter. Okay, which goes against what everything you see online tells you, because everything right. online just tells you take as much action as humanly possible. I certainly believe that too. You know, the, the old T. Robs massive and perfect action. Like we've we've said that from stages. We've said that in literature. Uh, and, and it's not to say that taking action doesn't have any space in this world. Okay. What we want to focus on though, and if you are having these experiences of being somebody who works very hard, takes a lot of actions and still gets bitten in the ass quite a bit. What we want to point at is, is where was your energy? Where was your alignment? Said another way, but where really, what was the quality of the energy that you were in when you made that decision? Okay. For example, if you're dealing with, you know, financial challenges um often on that's been our, our reality too uh if you're dealing with relational challenges or whatever it might be and you're in some kind of fear or scarcity overwhelm uh uncertainty uh you tend to be in a particular type of energy in that so if you can kind of as you're listening to this like find yourself in a moment of, of stress uh if you really pay attention even just by naming it there is a, a, a corresponding um subtle response in the body and if you don't if you can't find it, that's okay. That that has taken a lot of training on our part to be very uh, mindful of the subtle energy changes in the body. And so there's a certain quality that arises there, okay? And then there's a certain type of like program in your mind and in your body that has to show up to try to deal with this stress. But suffice it to say, the program that's showing up is uh, may have been a really, really good strategy when you were a little boy or a little girl for dealing with that stress. But as you've as you've grown, as you've been become a you know quote unquote responsible adult, you may find that that response that once worked really really well to keep you safe is now causing a lot of detriment in your life, relationships, finances, health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, if you're in scarcity or fear or uncertainty when you take an action, and so literally that action is sourced from that fear. That's why you're taking that action to try to stop that fear. Then the very source of that fear is that anger or that sadness or whatever it might be. And so there's a universal law that energy begets energy. And that type a quality of energy can only create more of that energy. Can't create another energy. And so if you act from scarcity or, or these things, kind of like what I mentioned is a lot of these situations Elon and I have dealt with in the past, I could clearly see now that I was doing those things to try to get myself out of a jam or to try to get yeah. a quick win or whatever it is. And if, and if that's what the energy behind it was like, oh my God, I got to save that myself or I got to create protection for myself. Ultimately, it, it just created more of what I was trying to get rid of. And, and it's gotten so crazy for me that I realized like the last five, six years, my, my, my real desire in my life deeply has been for more ease and stability. Like if, if you ask me at the end, like a new year's, I'm like, what do I want? I'm like, peace. <laughs> like I want to be peaceful. <laughs> I, want, I want stability and I want ease in my life. Like how many of you guys again listening to this, you know, if you're, if you're watching this live, would love some of that. 
yeah, you, you want some of that. And what I've come to see now, and again, it's not like new, 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 but like you see it kind of at different levels at different uh, times in your life. What's new, new, new for me is like by holding on to this intention so close, because there's one thing to like create an intention, like, and then like completely let go of it, trust it to the ethers. There's nothing you need to do to create it. You just trust that like the intention, that frequency you're putting out to the universe is the only action you have to take. And, you, and so there's a difference between like holding things very rigorously, like I got to get that goal, I got to get that goal again, which is what most of the literature and coaching out there tells you versus like, you know what, I really want that. I need that in my life. I'm going to hold it very loosely and I have no expectations of it or how it's going to arrive or anything else. And to me, that's a healthier way of doing it. But what I realize is, again, many of you guys probably have had this realization too, is by constantly holding this idea of ease and stability in my life, my life has been anything but easeful and stable during that period of time. And so that that brings up a question, what the fuck is going on here? Because they tell you if you focus on something, you're going to have it. But what I what I really realize now is that the focus of that constantly in the way that I was holding it, and again, it's more energetic than like linguistic or, or mental, in the manner in which I was holding on to this goal that I want in my life, the, the goal constantly creates a recognition that it's not who I am or what I'm experiencing now. Let me say that again. So that by holding on to that goal constantly, that, that, that energy is, what it's really saying is, there is no easefulness right now. There is no stability right now. And so I'm creating all my action and sourcing it from no ease, no stability, which is creating no ease and no stability in my life or small periods of stability. And then something comes to really destabilize my experience over yeah. and over again. And that's kind of what I've been experiencing is like these pockets of like well-being, like, wow, everything's great. And then it's like, not great, like really, really not Contrast. great. Yeah. And, and then so, you know, what's the opposite of stability is like a, a rocky boat, right? So to speak. So it's like sometimes great, sometimes it's terrible. Um, and so that's what I notice. I'm like, I'm holding it too tightly. I don't need to work so hard, uh, on that. And I really get to focus on what are the parts that are acting from that place? How do I work with them so that they're ultimately the fear response that these are, these are very old strategies, patterns, and habits that I built as a child to, to try to protect myself, try to protect my system are still working here. And as I release that, I am noticing changes in my reality, changes in my perception, changes in my expectations. Um, and that's been a, a really, really, really big change for me these last three months. It's been, it's really coalesced over the last five years, but in these last three months, it's mm -hmm. been like very, very rigorous in my experience. Um, and then, you know, depending on when you listen to this in, in the last two months, just from being advocates for so many people, friends who do a lot of this kind of work, it has seemed that the last two months on our planet are just filled with a lot of fucking intensity for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, and whether it's physical or financial or health, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I think there's something to be said from our, you know, a little bit higher vantage point because we talk to so many people that we are energetic beings moving through an energy system. There's, there, there is uh, frequencies and things that are, are impacting our nervous systems and our biology and our DNA all the time. And, uh, and I think there is a, a spiritual purpose for all that as well. And so it's no coincidence that so many people are being challenged simultaneously because challenge kind of wakes us up out of our slumber and says, Hey, you've been procrastinating. This needs your attention right now. Wake the fuck up. Here's the work. Here's what you got to face to wake up. And so, um, I'll just throw all that in there and we'll see where it comes of it. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, one of the things that I actually become very aware of in, in that world of contrast is, um, well, two, two things come to mind. One is, you know, we, we went to the jungle and I, I actually met a friend who uh, had also done a few ceremonies and we were talking and I got very clear that how different, even with medicine, like the, the answers that I was looking, right? Mm -hmm. So when, when we used to do lots of personal development work, right? What we were always seeking was concepts. We were seeking information. We were seeking answers in the form of words and phrases and concepts, et cetera, right? And so you like go and you, you drink medicine and then the way the medicine interacts with you is it provides you with insights. It provides you with these moments where you can crystallize and go, oh, this means this and da, 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 whatever. And now I think over the last few years, what you're pointing to is we've really focused on a lot more of the energy behind the action. And the energy behind the action has led us to uh, learn um, the language of emotion. And emotion is different, is, is very, very different from feeling. Feeling is like, I feel tired, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel this. Feeling is what the mind does to make sense of an emotion. An emotion is more of like a, a felt sense, a sensation in the body. But that sensation has to have a label to the mind. The mind has to label it. And so when you feel like, you know, your heartbeat really fast or your hands get a bit clammy or whatever it might be, your mind is going to be like, oh, I'm nervous or I'm anxious, right? Even though really there's just a sensation. There's a quickening of the heart. That's it. And so with that in mind and having done all that work, what's been interesting is this time when we went to the jungle, it was all, everything was like felt sense. So when people kept asking me like, you know, how's your... How was the trip? How was the trip? How was the trip? Because every other time I'd come be like, oh, I learned this and I had this insight. It, I, I didn't really have many of those because a lot of it was just a sensorial experience where it'd be like, um, this is what it feels like to be a leader. But mm -hmm. it didn't come with like a bulletproof, you know, you must do this, this and this. And it was just like, feel this. And I was like, oh my God, that feels amazing. Or... Uh, this is what it feels like to feel acceptance or feel more love or feel more abundance or feel more joy. And it was just actually reworking the felt sense of the body without giving me all the constructs. Um, so I want to throw that in there, which was really beautiful because having, having an experience is very different than having an insight or a cool catchphrase or an aha moment. There's plenty of things that we know, we know, but they have very little impact in our lives because we haven't fully embodied and experienced them. Whether that's, you know, you know how to do certain things as a parent or as a spouse or as a, you know, employee or entrepreneur, whatever it is, right? You know these things. And then you keep doing the opposite, right? Because the knowing doesn't really make the difference. It's having the experience, just like for a kid, you know, you could tell a kid till you're blue in the face not to do that thing because they're going to get hurt. How do they learn? 
when they do that thing and they get hurt, you know, and then it's like, oh, that does that. So that that was very cool. And then the other thing that guy was pointing to, which I I have really, really taken on in my life is that we can't learn anything without contrast. And you've read this probably in many, many spiritual books, like you can't know hot without knowing cold. You can't know sweet without knowing sour. And you can't know love without fear. And Alex, who I believe is listening right now, wrote this beautiful post about uh, choosing love or fear. And I said, it's really interesting how in choosing fear actually gives us access to the contrast of love. And so because we can't experience one without the other, what's become really beautiful is that when now, for example, my daughter gets very stubborn or, you know, hot-headed or whatever it might be, I'm now I have this like felt sense that this is the contrast piece, right? Like this is, I want to be able to hold her in love. And so I get to also experience the contrast of her being in that way so that I can experience the holding her in love while in that state uh, versus like we want something. And when the thing doesn't show up, we get really pissed and we get really mad. And so now it's almost like that somehow is flipped. And I have to say that wasn't something that like I had told me when we were there, it was just, we've had so many experiences while we were in the jungle where contrast became so abundantly clear to all of us that it's just been something that I'd taken home and um, taken into my experience. And it's, it's been really profound. Yeah. I would say, you know, outside of um, some financial situations and we're trying to move right now while Mandy is pregnant in third trimester, which our midwives hate that we're doing um, by the way. But uh, my, my son has been what's popped up the most for me. I like, a, you know, anybody who's met my kid, um, it's hard to explain because he feels so emotionally mature for someone his age, but of course he's still a child nonetheless. And, you know, when an, uh, every child, right, has pushback on their parents, you tell them, hey, please do this. No, right? Like all the things and it can get anger, anger, hostile quickly with children, not, not towards them, but like them towards you because they're not always crystal clear on the emotions that they're having or how to express that in a way. And so, of course, it's, you know, any parent knows you, you guide them into this. But so much of what child rearing has been has been like shutting it all down my way or the highway, you know, dominion over. And that's not how we're committed to raising our, our, our child at all. Um, I heard Sadhguru said the difference between raising a child and cultivating a child um, is massive. And most people are raising children. They're not cultivating them. Like we really want to cultivate. I'm sure Elon agrees. He wants to cultivate his children's attributes, best attributes and help them find it versus telling them how they're supposed to be. And for me, that's, that's the world of tomorrow. If we're all automatons, then what the fuck is the point? And then just, let the government tell us who we're supposed to be and everyone shut the fuck up and fall in line. Right. But if like you have an inkling of creativity in your body or self-expression that needs to come out of you, that's not who we are. Not at any level, not a mindset, not at the heart, not in the multidimensional nature that we've experienced. Like we've peaked, Neil and I have peaked behind the curtain enough times to have at least some sense of the power of humanity. And certainly we are not exhibiting that power at this point in time in humanity, although it's on the rise, it's on the rise. 
And so I say all that because uh, what's been really in my face is like what was done to me, again, not blaming my parents here, but just what was done to them that was then done to us um, is what comes out of me. It's like, it's the first response I want to have. I'm sure you learn if it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, just, you know, say it a few times patiently and then you lose patience. Then it's like, here's the way it is, right? Like 100%. here's the way it is. And it's like, there's no room for wiggle now. It's like, I don't care. I don't care that you want to do that. Here's what we're going to do. And of course the child gets really upset. You're basically saying you're like, what you think doesn't matter, what you feel doesn't matter. Right. It's, and it's painful. It's painful on both ends, to be honest. I've never ever done that to another human being said those words and I felt good about them after the fact. And so like when you have a three, four year old at home, it fucking gets you, you know, seeing, seeing hurt on your child's face, knowing that you caused it is a, is a, is again, an experience only a parent can, could know. Um, so my wife, it's funny, we flip-flopped first two years of, of life. I was extremely, extraordinarily patient with my, my baby and, and Mandy had exhibited some of these things. Now we've kind of flipped. She's become the patient one. I become the impatient one, <laughs> right? The different parts of life, which is also interesting. And now that, Oh, wow. I haven't reflected on this before. Mandy is more of an air process. So when he was more in those processes and more in the younger part of the development, that's where a lot of her trauma is. And for me, it's the opposite. It's more of the earth and the fire and that's where he is now. And so my parts are coming out with that. I hadn't even put that together. And so it's been this like really amazing practice because what I've learned deeply in this time is fine. That happens, right? Like that comes out of me. My son responds a certain way. But what I what I have tended to do, and I have done this my whole life, is when someone's in a reactive state like that, I add fuel to the fire. I start talking to them and here's what happened. Here's what like you know, I try to like figure it out with them. And this this intensifies his 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 anger, his anxiety, and whatever doesn't work at all. Like I literally, if I go into that energy, my son responds very harshly because he just wants to be cuddled and loved. And so like anything that's not that, he's vehemently against. Uh, and it's his right to be that way. And he's training me, which is what I think every good parent gets to do is actually be trained by their children. We're not here to train our children. We're, we're here to co-train each other. Um, and, and your kids probably train you more than you train them, to be perfectly honest, in my opinion. And so what I've, what I've taken on as a practice now is, you know, what, like there may be something important in what I have to say, but it's not important enough to say until he's regulated again. Yeah. So I, I refuse, you know, this last two weeks has been a real big practice of mine of like, Hey, okay. So the rupture has happened. Let me ground my energy first of all, because if I, if I remove my heart, if enough, I'm ungrounded, he just amplifies his, you know, his response to me big time. And then the second one is, look, maybe there's uh, maybe I need to apologize. Maybe he wants to apologize. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had, but like none of that can happen until we're both in a regulatory state again, our nervous systems are regulated. And that's really has been a big change for me these last two weeks. I'm like, doesn't matter what my opinion is. I'm like, regulate the child first, regulate, regulate, regulate. I'm like, and then we can, and then he's totally open to any conversations and, you know, may have an opinion about it, but like at least something gets through. And I, and I'm, I'm offering this because with children, it's something that you really want to do. And of course you want to practice because you want the best for your children. And, it, it's, you know, Alex saying the same thing. That's what happened to one of our clients in the jungle too. It's like, you can't talk to someone when they're dysregulated. There's nothing getting in. Nothing's going to happen. There's no impact you can make. There's no love that's being felt. Like everything that humanity wants for ourselves selfishly and together simultaneously seems to only be able to arise when we are in a regulated state. And so it's like, what is the point 
of, of exercising or exuding energy in any sort of way until that becomes our square focus. And so, and, and if it, and if that works with others, that means it works with yourself. Also going back to what I said before, it's like, if you make your choices in your life from a dysregulated state, it will cause circumstances of dysregulation. It'll just, it'll just add more dysregulation to your life and it will appear to you as if circumstances or others are the cause of that dysregulation. And it's that illusion of believing that others or somebody or something outside of yourself is causing dysregulation that keeps people disempowered in this world. Yeah. Because the one thing that you do have a say over is your internal world. It might not seem like you do, but that's only because we lack the training of how to view our internal internal world. When you learn how to do that, it's not like you're exercising control over your circumstances because the weird part about it is, is by releasing control, you feel the most in control you've ever been. It's a weird thing to, it's because it's very paradoxical and you have to experience it firsthand. But if there's anything that plant medicines do extremely well is that they, they give you the peek behind the curtain and they reveal the field to you or the matrix or call it what you will. They reveal God to you. They reveal uh, the tapestry of energy that we're all connected with. And for those of you guys who are, who are jumping on the Gabor Mate wagon right now, he's got a book uh, called um, The Myth of Normal which talks a lot about the same type of healing work that Elon and I have been talking about for a very, very long time, but from the scientific approach. And he's also done plant medicine work for, for 10 years now and goes into deep trauma wounds that, that he was raised around because he was raised literally, he was a baby right when World War II happened. He's a European Jew. His mother was very affected by, by the results of the Holocaust. And science is backing this up physically, spiritually, mentally, there's, there's no single part of a human being. We're not our minds. We're not our hearts. We're not our energetic field. We're not our spiritual self. We're all of it simultaneously and interwovenly connected to one another and our nature constantly. And everything is impacting everything, especially in close relationships where you've co-regulated your nervous systems. What's happening to them really is going to impact you. And if there's nobody there that knows how to find ground and regulate their nervous system, hint, hint, all of humanity is living in a high state of dysregulation. And we want to find the beauty in that because it's been extremely heightened over the last two to six years for sure. And part of that is when you see the dysregulation, you seek regulation in ways that you may not have before. And to me, that speaks volumes about the way that evolution works, because generally speaking, chaos is what precedes breakthroughs and transformations. Always. Always, always look at all history, look at how it works in nature, you know, like, 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 like death will happen and life will always come again because life is, look at our planet. We find little fucking conscious entities in, in lava, like everywhere we look, we're like, oh my God, there's something living over there. Like, it doesn't make any sense where there's barely oxygen, where there's fire, where there's heat, like life finds a way. It's just an incredible thing. And you got to realize you're not separate from that. You are deeply integrated that. In fact, you are probably outside of maybe like dolphins and some other creatures on our planet, one of the most conscious beings of that happening or have the capacity to become aware of that. And so if, if we continue to live in a mental world without extrapolating and really starting to give a lot of value to the energetic aspect of a human being and how that interwovens our mind body. And there's a woman who, who, by the way, who, who, 
first uh, coined that term of the, you know, the body mind or the mind body. And she removed the hyphen from it. And she's like, we removed the hyphen from it because the hyphen still denotes that they're two separate things that are simultaneously acting together. When in fact, the mind body is a single thing. It just so happens to be that the, the central focus of your nervous system is your mind, but the nervous system is an entire contraption that's connected to all your organs and all your sensory equipment. And it's one thing. It's not many things. And as long as science continues to look at things as one thing, like, you know, you have this amalgamation or a disease in your body and that's separate from the circumstances in your life or how you feel about it or the energy that's coursing in your body because of how you feel about it, we will never cure fucking anything. Yeah. And so you got to take that at every level. It's like, hey, you're challenging your habits. You got to look at it from all perspectives. It's a, You have to look at a holistic approach. Otherwise, you are going to create more problems for yourself by singling out anything. All right, I'll take that pill. Great. Good for you. But it's not going away. You're just covering it up. So this is so, so important. All these little things, hopefully uh, this was somewhat of a coherent rant over here, but you know, I touched on a lot of different things, but these are the things that I'm feeling into or are at the forefront of my mind and and certainly feel like really, really important for us to start stepping into. I want to also add there that um, I speak to a lot of parents and parents who read books and are really motivated and, and want to be the best parent that they can be. And I'm using parent as just an example. You can use this as, you know, you can replace the word parent with entrepreneur or husband or wife or whatever it is. And a lot of times people get stuck on the fact that they read these amazing things and then they forget to practice them or it doesn't really get implemented into their life in the time frame that they're wanting it to be implemented in their lives. And something that I said to one of my friends this weekend was you're battling or not even battling. That's the wrong word. When you have these realizations, what you are recognizing is a pattern and a process that has been created from the time that you were very, very young to protect your nervous system. Okay. And so for most of us, that's been around for 20, 30, 40, possibly 50 or more years. Okay. You having an insight and wanting things to be different, you're still working with a pattern that has been running, if not day to day, you know, at least every few days for decades. You're acknowledgement of that and you're wanting to do something new like that thing is so habituated at this point that it just takes time and i think this is a part that people don't give themselves enough of and we talk about this all the time patience and grace like it took you a long time to embody the protection mechanisms that you have having an insight and a knowledge of like oh wow this runs me does not have you get rid of it, right? And just so you guys know, you'll never get rid of it. What what you can do is you can start to create new facets that create more safety in your system. When guy was talking about like down-regulating, when your system is in a down-regulated, safe state that is full of well-being, guess what doesn't come online? All of those protectors. So It's not about a practice of getting rid of the protectors because you will never get rid of them. It doesn't matter how much work you do. 
It doesn't matter how much understanding you have. Those protectors are built in forever. What can shift is the response ability of your human such that when an input comes into your system, the trigger is no longer there to get activated and react. And what you're left with is response ability. You know, Gab uh, talks about in this book, and I, I thought it was an amazing uh, example that just hits very close to home. You know, he, he lands off, uh, he comes off flight and his wife calls him and she's like, um, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pick you up. No, back, he- back, back, back up, back up a step. He's coming from an event that he like speaks in front of everybody. Everyone's clapping for him and, and, you know, admiring him for what he does in the work. And so he's flying back in this airplane and he's high from the experience. Like he feels amazing. Like he can do yeah. no wrong. Like he's benefiting all of humanity, right? Like Elon and I've been in these shoes too. So I was kind of like, I went for the ride with him and then he, he comes home and as he's landing, he messages his wife. He's like, Hey, I'm landing. And she's like, Oh, do you still need a ride? Even though they had agreed that she would pick him up. So he gets very upset about this. Yeah. So like, right. And think about this, any expectation that you have, I don't care how big or how small, if that expectation isn't met, you're left with disappointment. You're left with upset, right? So his wife basically telling him that he, she's not going to come pick him up, leaves him in an upset. Now, Gab is someone who, like us, has done a tremendous amount of work. Now, does he know that intellectually it's no big deal? Like he can take an Uber, he can be home in 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is. And like, great. Yes, absolutely. In the moment, however, though, knowing that makes no difference because mm-hmm. he's pissed. They had an agreement. She was supposed to be there. She did not show up. Now, does it end there? No, it does not end there, right? Because now he's fuming in the car ride home and then he gets home and this is where we get like really wonky, right? And again, these are just protection mechanisms. He's upset at his wife, but he knows better to scream at her and you know yell at her and demean her and all that stuff because he's done a lot of work. So what does he do? He's just cold to her, right? Two word answers, kind of, hmm, right? Because inside he's still upset that she didn't show up. Now, here's the question. Is that person feeling that? The person receiving your coldness, short answers, are they oblivious to the fact that you're mad at them or are they actually experiencing you being mad at them? Because this is really important to get. We think that we're these like covert ninjas. We're like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be quiet. So they're not going to know how mad I am. Fuck. They absolutely know how mad you are. Right. So at some point his wife comes in, she's like, All right, how, how long are you going to keep this going? Right. The flip side of it is you get to this place where your spouse calls you and you have this expectation and they're not going to pick up. And that thing that got triggered, which I don't know in Gab's own words, but you know, it might be a, uh, a part of you that feels abandoned, right? That got created when you were very, very young or your, your lonely part or betrayed part 
or let down part or no one notices me part or no one cares about me part, whatever that part is, right? Like that's the part that got hit in that moment. That part was inside of you since you were two, three years old. It had nothing to do with what was happening in your reality at the moment. It's just that it got hit, right? And that's what spun off that coldness and upset and all that kind of stuff. So if you can actually go and do work and heal that aspect of yourself, heal the one that got betrayed, heal the one that was abandoned, heal the one that was let down, then there's no energy that can come into your system and actually activate that part, which will in turn activate the protection, right? Like activate the cold shoulder, activate all that stuff. And so there's a time and a place for both, right? Like there's a time and a place to understand. And then there's also a time and a place where you can go in and do that healing work. And that's the part that I feel like is the cutting edge work that Gab is pointing to. It's the cutting edge work that we do with our clients. And most of our clients have done a lot of the understanding work and the seeing work and the knowing that, oh, this was created when I was this age and da, 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 da. But the frustration is that they haven't quite been able to like actually remove the trigger that sends them into those places. And that's where you really get to go into body and into somatic and start to actually heal and be with these things, which the, the last thing I'll say is you cannot do on your own. I, just, I really want to reiterate that. And I really want to make it clear. You cannot be, and you cannot do this work on your own, right? It's like you're asking the mind to take you into the most core traumatic ruptures of your upbringing. It has no interest in going there. In fact, it has done, it has spent decades keeping you out of there. All of your best of intentions, like, oh, I want to go in there to heal this. The mind doesn't care. It's like, no, I don't want you to experience that level of pain. And so when we sit with people, what we're actually giving their bodies and their systems is a template where they can downregulate, find that safety and then together, like hand in hand, we walk into that event, right? And I, I use this analogy all the time. Think about this. Like if I said, hey, walk into that dark cave, you're going to have a lot of hesitancy. But if I said, hey, Guy and Elon are going to hold your hand, each hand. And then behind you, we're also going to have a team. And we're all going to walk into this dark cave together. We're going to feel exactly what you feel. We're going to see exactly what you see. We're going to experience everything that you experience. How are you more likely to go into that cave with us by your side and a team or by yourself? That's, that's what the mind is trying to fight all the time. And so it doesn't matter how much desire and will and want you have to go heal these things. The, the, the physical safety concern of the mind will not allow you to be there. Yeah. Um, in that book, he states a few things I, I found fascinating. I don't know if you got to that part, but it was right around, um, well, not exactly where he shared, but he was talking about certain studies they've done where like there's um, clinicians, you know, who deal with um, ALS, for example, right? Which is a neurodegenerative uh, nervous system degenerative disease that kills 
everybody that gets it. And so they had done these studies trying to create uh, markers for predictions of which type of people are more susceptible to get to ALS. And so they bring in these people and the nurses that work with ALS patients regularly. And uh, so they would ask the, the, the nurses to meet with those people and then make a prediction as to who would and who would not be a candidate for potentially getting ALS. And with a 94 percentile, these women were able to get it accurate. Wow. Wow. Now, how did they do that? Well, they said that what they've noticed is when you work with a lot of people from ALS, people who have ALS are exceedingly pleasant. Oh, They're very, very nice people. Okay. So we've all met these kind of people, right? There's, there's no gray days. And so like, you got to think that everyone, no matter what it looks like on the surface, is responding from some sort of trauma. And in that person's world, whatever it is that they perceived or experienced, being that way is what created the most amount of safety for them. Hmm. Great strategy as a child represses the shit out of emotion as you get older. Yeah. And so they're saying like, you know, we like to think of psychosomatic as uh, diseases caused by the brain when in fact it's, a, it's an entire system, right, working simultaneously. And so, again, we it's funny how we use words. And it can make people look away like conspiracy theories, right? We'll make instead of people interested, oh, okay, I don't want to be that kind of person. So I won't look when there really might be something to look at, <laughs> you know, like something worth investigating, right? Whatever. And whether you believe in them or not, it doesn't matter. But like, I'm just saying like with the, the, with the way we structure words is really important. I find regularly like woke, woke culture, for example, right? Has people be like, well, I don't want to be awakened because then I'll be associated with this culture that's really trying to tell people how to live and how to be. What does that have to do with being awakened at all? Anybody who's awakened is, is, is loving of, of all conditions and all expressions of humanity. Even if they can't be, they're working on doing that regularly. They're not telling people how to live. And so it's very dangerous when we start taking words that are meant to empower and we start using them for, for derogatory purposes. And so I say that because how do these, how do these, like, so there's a repression that's creating some kind of pressure inside the nervous system that's leading to what we call ALS. It's fucking crazy. And, and there's, there's so many things like this that nurses, again, if they work with somebody in the same field for a long period of time, know that there's a certain character trait to the people that show up. There's like, there's, there's something that's connecting all these people. And I just want to retort because he, he mentioned, makes mention of this in the book. And I, I certainly have always thought about this too. When you go to a doctor and you tell them what's going on, they never ask you, What's your lifestyle? How's your relationships? Are you are you pleased with your work? How's your boss treating you? Like there's no questions about your emotional state, your energetic needs, none. Uh, what happened to you in your past? None. Literally zero zilch because the contention of the medical community is everything is chemical and you are a bio biochemical machine and so we're going to treat you as such. But any human being intuitively knows if they haven't been trained to think that way, that that is the farthest thing from the truth. Every doctor, a wise doctor, in my opinion, you can, if you're a doctor, I'm sorry if you feel like I'm kicking shit up for you, or if you feel different about the medical community is number one, the man in the white coat is always seen an authority figure. You know, nothing about yourself or your body or your health, even though you've lived inside that meets with the entire time. We all know when you feel something in your body, you go, something doesn't feel right in my own body. If the first question out of the doctor's mouth is, and what do you think is wrong? I would say you should probably not talk to that doctor anymore because he's taking you out of the equation and you are the most intimate person with your body. And you may not know how to treat that, 
but you certainly have a fucking idea about what's going on in your body and where it's located and how it feels different than maybe what you felt before. And so maybe you should be part of that medical process. And that's what a lot of the data is pointing to. This is not just coming from me. This is what science is showing. This is what intuitively has been known for hundreds of years. This is what the indigenous have been saying for thousands of years. But again, science and medical community goes, if we can't measure, it's not real. That's bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. A few hundred years ago, we couldn't measure gravity. Clearly, it was still real. We couldn't measure the distances between uh, planetary systems. Still real. Right? We didn't know the speed of light. Still real. So it's such a strange contention. And like you, you, we get to understand that the, the, the mechanics of being a human being and where that manual exists is within you. What is mostly missing in our educational path is how to access that, that part of ourselves, certainly in the Western world. It's like there's, 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 no, there's no talk about it whatsoever. And, and it, is, it is literally dehumanizing. And we become mechanistic, literally like machines, when we don't know this part of ourselves, which makes sense why the medical community, and and by the way, we were talking about certain people get ALS and certain people that this, well, certain people become doctors. And they look and people who become doctors or attorneys or any other career path, Elon and I know this from 20 years of work, you want to find out about why people have their career path, ask them about their trauma. Ask them about their trauma first, and you'll see that the career path they chose was to, in an effort to try to cure their trauma. Elon and I are personal development, spiritual coaches because we found a part of our trauma and we realized, hey, we don't want to exist in that. That doesn't define who we are. And so you got to understand that the people who become, generally speaking, in, in these kind of communities and join the medical community have a certain way that they look at the world. And that view is mechanistic. But I don't know about you guys, when I go to a doctor and they prescribe something after a five or 10 minute conversation with me without asking me anything about my background or my health practices or my family life, I don't really want to take that thing unless I'm in dire need to do that because I feel exactly like that. I feel like a number and a checkbox and and like a, a, a machine that they're just trying to get in and out of so they can get back to their capitalistic lifestyle and get about their day. And that to me is, is it's all medicine without heart. And the two for me can't coexist in, a, in an appropriate way. And don't get me wrong. There are certain times I want to certainly get the help of a doctor. And, and I understand there's a use case for that. I'm not throwing it all under the bus. And I think there's room for improvement, significantly so. And so I think, again, we can, we can all look at ourselves because a lot of us, again, we can learn from all these different things like doctors and stuff. Not, I'm not blaming anybody or angry at them. I'm saying it's like, let's take a broader perspective and think to ourselves, we look at ourselves mechanistically too. Cause that's what we've been trained to do as if you're a machine that's broken and it needs new parts. It's not how this works. You literally have the intelligence within you to renew the parts in your body. We know that for a fact, we know you can turn on and, and off your DNA. Uh, what's it called? Uh, epistemi- not epistemiology. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Right epigenetics. Now, epigenetics. Thank you. Epigenetics. We know for a fact today that like, the experience that the mother is having is turning on certain genetic predispositions in, in the, the kid. 30 years ago, when we, you know, marked the DNA strand, we're like, oh, we now speak the language of the human body. That's not true. Because again, if you don't look at it from the point of view of energetics and emotions and the field and how that changes these things, everything, and, and that's a beautiful thing because everything about your past that you have carried on, whether it's alcoholism or anger that you blame your family for, 
is nothing more than a miseducation that was funneled down to you from generations of people who believe that that was the only way that you can be if you are part of this family or this lineage. And today we know that's not true. So you, you know, our work is about revealing to people that no matter what it is that you've experienced in the past, you can make the choice that whatever has happened in your lineage and in your family, that can end with you, or at least certainly begin ending with you. Yeah. That you don't have to, you don't have to give that to your children. You can certainly move away from that and step away from that. And it doesn't matter, you know, what you are. Many of us like like us, like last thing I'll say, sorry, I've been talking a lot, is uh, you know, like the Jewish tradition and faith and religion carries a lot of burden with it, as I'm sure does being, a, a, you know, African-American and all these other things, right? Of people have been horribly repressed and da, 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 da. And there's a certain way that you're expected to talk about it, to show up in it and to relate to it and all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, in my experience, being that way only creates more of that experience, and it, and it has taken something to be like, not that I don't want to feel the tradition of my Judaism, because I think there's so much beauty and value in that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, those parts, those aren't for me. You guys can live in that. That's not for me. It doesn't, it doesn't enable a better life for me to live in. And again, I imagine we all have, you know, parts of this in our lineage and histories, but, um, you know, from, from my own experience, that's, that's something that I've, uh, absolutely feel that I can have been, and will continue to break free from. Yeah. And, and I think that takes something, you know, like it takes a, a standing up and saying, you know what, I'm curious and I'm interested in noticing these things and then gaining tools on how to shift into new states, new alignments, new frequencies. Because just like that example that we were talking about with the wife, you know, we, we think that we're these covert ninjas that like the way that we be somehow doesn't impact everyone and everything around us. It's impacting your pets. It's impacting your spouses. It's impacting your kids. It's impacting your health and your weight. You know, there, there are things that the energetic body does to protect the hurt little ones on a physical level. Like, if you struggle losing weight, it most likely comes from a rupture or a trauma that your body is, keeps protecting you from. And again, you heal that and all that protection just sheds away. So I think if anything, this is an invitation. If this is new to you um, or if it's not new, but you've heard us talk about this and you've just kind of been sitting on the sidelines, like this is the invitation. It's the invitation to come play and learn and implement this stuff for yourself. Um, so if you're watching this live guy, just put something on the screen, but if you're not, um, I just want to read this out to you. Uh, we have a six week life transforming program. Um, our guarantee in fact is that you have a, at least one incredible breakthrough in the first, what is it, bro? In the first six weeks. Yeah. Generally less, but yeah, one, one major life altering breakthrough in an area of life that you feel stuck in, you're struggling in, or, or if you're not, you just want to upgrade that you feel like really plateaued. Uh, we can help you break through that. Um, in those six weeks, usually it's much, much faster to be perfectly honest. And if you want, uh, information on that program, 
you can go to soulsandseekers.com forward slash messenger. And all that will do will just forward you right into our, uh, our, our messenger inbox, essentially. And if you just DM us the word change, again, change, C-H-A-N-G-E, um, somebody from our staff will get back to you with information um, almost right away with uh, details about the program and you know anything you need to know to essentially make a choice. And if for some reason you still have questions after that, you can always um, get on the call with them to get that cleared up. And um, another thing that's uh, our community has really desired as it's growing is to support other people. And so if you end up being in a situation where like, you know, you want to talk to somebody else and see what their experience is like, you know, we have endless testimonials. Um, many, many of our clients are, are lifers. Uh, they see this work as some of the most pivotal they've ever done in their entire lives. Um, and, and I just want to say again, it's not because Elon and I are geniuses in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this is borrowed work because it's spiritual work, which means all spiritual work is borrowed work. You know, it's, it's, it's our, we have filtered these experiences that we've had for 20 straight years into teachings that are practical, they're easy and they make sense and they have an impact immediately on your life. And then the other important thing to realize is a lot of people um, avoid education because they're like, it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of stuff to remember, a lot of curriculum to go through. Our work is not like that at all. This is not work you have to remember. It's not work you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of this thing with my parents. I have to do that. And that's what Guy Neil told me to do. It doesn't work that way. This work works on you. You don't have to work on it. We teach people, we teach adults the way that adults teach children. You point at stuff when it's happening. And we're pointing at stuff that you don't notice is happening. And in that noticing, you're noticing changes. And you only need a split second to notice something for it to change. You get, you get new information in your body when that happens. You get a new experience and perception when that happens. And that ultimately is what causes transformation. It's not insights and the, the things that are most deeply resonant and felt in people's bodies are the things that stay with them and create the big, 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 big changes in their lives. However, and I should say, we got to start with your mind. You got to understand how this machine works and you got to understand how it uses language to invest and create your reality. And if you don't have that, you're bound to repeat the mistakes of the past. When you get past that step or when you get masterful with that, we can take you into the body. We can take you into the energetics of it. And so there's, you know, we scale this education in a way that makes it very approachable, that doesn't overwhelm you. And, and, and it's the way that has worked for us after trying so many different things, because we understand that these seemingly two systems of mind and body have been separated. And until you learn about both and combine them into a, a simultaneous experience, chances are, again, you're going to, you're going to keep hitting your head against the wall and wondering why life is so hard, why you're struggling here, why you're stuck in your relationships, why this hasn't worked, why I'm plateauing over here. And like all of that, all of that, all of that, all of that can be resolved by doing this kind of work. And, and life itself will be significantly easier regardless of how circumstances arise for you because that we can't control. Like that's out of our hands. That's, you know, that's, that's God's work, so to speak, right? Like your circumstances are your circumstances. And your perception of how you take those circumstances really matters in your ability to respond to it, right? Responsibility. And most people avoid that. So we can, we can put the steering wheel kind of back in your hand, have you understand that really your transformation is your responsibility. All power comes from within. It's not Elon and I doing anything in particular. We're just guides uh, into these self-realizations that we have been able to 
uh, be led to ourselves. And that's, that's the gift of humanity. It's as we are awakening, it is to share this awakening, this feeling and this expression of being human with others in a way that's profound and works. And trust me, it's going to take you a lot less time to master these skills than it has Elon and I, because we went all over the world and found so many teachers and tried so many experiences. So you don't have to, um, we, Elon and I both DJ for a long time now, and Elon came up with this really great line years ago. He said, the DJ's job is to listen to a lot of shitty music so you don't have to. <laughs> so you can listen to great music, right? And and we've done the same thing when it comes to spirituality and personal development. We've tried a lot of things, a lot of shitty things to get to an understanding of what really re- creates a resonance and feels good and makes an impact and transform people's lives so that you don't have to. So that you know that if you come work with us, your time... Uh, your sweat equity, your financial equity is going to be spent very, very well in having you extremely focused on the the very small amount of things that Elon and I have learned that work, work for everybody that's willing to commit and try these things. And because of that, that's why we have an incredibly high satisfaction rating because what we're teaching is not, oh, okay, you're like this, this is what you got to do. This is our universal truths of being a human being that we get to wake up to and realize within our own experience. And when you do, life changes. That's just what's so. Yeah, it's huge. Okay. All right, y'all. We love you. Thank you for listening. We'll be more uh, on top of uh, creating podcasts. We've been traveling a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot of things move in. Uh, We're doing a lot of exciting things behind the scenes here, whether you guys know it or not. We're excited to uh, continue to bring you uh, these conversations to open your eyes and your hearts, hopefully as well. We we invite you to join the community in some way, shape, or form. you know, if you, if for whatever reason you start one of our programs, you don't get value. We have amazing guarantees and awesome things to support you. Um, but you know, we're, we're truly committed to you guys having a wonderful experience, uh, in your own awakening. And, uh, we'd love to be your guides if you feel like we are the people that you want to do that with. All right. All the best. Talk to you soon. Bye guys. Peace out. Thank you, dear one, for choosing to share a bit of your day with us. We value you greatly. And as a way to give back and help you to deepen these practices, we want to invite you to join our incredible community on Facebook. You can do so easily by going to joinoldsouls.com and ask for an invite. This is our private community where old souls and seekers are able to grow and share their journey with others. We hold exclusive weekly live streams, we answer your personal questions, and offer valuable insights that we won't be able to share here on the podcast. So again, just head to joinoldsouls.com and grab your invite today. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please head to iTunes and leave us a review. It's the only way other people can find this show. So if it's making a difference in your life, please share the love. Until we meet again, have an amazing week, dear one.